Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Forums, where we'll hear from finalists that are paving the way in the wealth management industry. My name is David Lenick, and I'm a senior editor at wealthmanagement.com, and I'll be your moderator. Today, we'll be talking about addressing client retirement concerns post-pandemic. COVID-19 had a profound impact on the retirement plans of many Americans. Due to the financial and lifestyle upheavals caused by the pandemic, some people are retiring earlier than they originally planned, while others are delaying their retirements and working longer. These developments, along with concerns over high inflation and interest rates, will require advisors to recalibrate expectations as well as client portfolios. Uh, today, I'm joined by Kelly Brown, she's the Vice President of Business Development and Strategic Partnerships at Finance of America Reverse. Spencer Look is Associate Director of Retirement Studies at Morningstar. And Vince Morris, who is the President of the One Digital Retirement and Wealth Network. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, David. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So with that, let's just jump right in by addressing the bright line topic, COVID-19. Uh, Vince, I know that you have had some very recent experience with this, or maybe our resident expert. Uh, what are some of the ways that the <laughs> pandemic disrupted the existing retirement status quo? Yeah, it's uh, very interesting, uh, David, how this came together in 2020, really as a healthcare and a financial crisis all, all in one, right? Um, at the same time, people were dealing with family members being um, sick. Uh, they were also dealing with the economy shutting down, loss of employment, and uh, a dip in retirement and savings. And so it, it really was a challenge for people across the board, uh, and it took its toll mentally, physically, and financially. And now, a couple of years later, we're sitting here, and we can still feel the effects of that going into the future for a long period of time, I think, as people approach even the way they go to work every day is remote and, and there's some challenges in our workforce that are probably here to stay with, you know, people want to uh, have a physically better, you know, outcome, a mentally better outcome and a financially better outcome. And they're asking for more and more of that to be uh, really gained from their employer. And so it's, a, it's a, just a whole new paradigm of uh, shifting out of COVID. And I think the effects are going to be long-term in the economy from it. Uh, Kellen, you know, we, we mentioned in the uh, in the opening here that you know some clients are now working longer, some are retiring earlier. It's really disrupting sort of the the traditional retirement playbook. How you know should advisors you know address these issues with their clients, and, and what does it mean for retirement plans? Yeah, um, you know it's interesting right now because I think a lot of people are feeling the stress and anxiety of what's happening in the market. So I think there was a little bit of recover from COVID-19 actually when we were still in it. Everyone kind of got used to, okay, this is the new norm. But now I think a lot of people are feeling even more stressed with, it might be better just to work a few more years <laughs> as until we feel a little bit more confident with um, the recovery of what's going on right now. Um, but I have to do, I do have to stay with advisors that I have worked with directly. It's been a lot more about the emotional conversation. Um, you know, when it comes to reverse mortgages, we saw so many more conversations about, I just want to make sure my parents are okay and they want to stay in a safe space. And, you know, we want to be able to visit them. And so there was a lot more of just, let's figure out a way of talking about the why um, and the planning and the needs on the emotional side. 
Um, so I think we saw a lot more of that through the pandemic and now coming out of it and just figuring out what to do with the market shift and the volatility there. Um, it's still more that feeling of let's just make sure they're protected because I think there's a lot of like almost PTSD that came out of it. And so people are just trying to make sure that everyone is safe. Yeah, that emotional aspect you bring up is an interesting point, um, especially because you know so much of the retirement conversation ends up being around hard numbers, but yet so much of clients' ultimate decision-making is so heavily emotionally based and having, you know, balancing those two is a very difficult ask. Yes. So I'm going to move on to our, uh, our resident actuary, Spencer, here. Longevity risk was something that was already sort of on the tips of everyone's tongue in terms of the retirement industry, even before the pandemic was, uh, you know, a twinkle in our eyes. How now is it is it being addressed? What has the pandemic, you know, done for that? Is that still an issue? Is it, you know, how has the pandemic sort of exacerbated or not these these questions of longevity? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a tricky tricky topic. Uh, longevity risk is definitely a, a still you know very real risk and very important risk for soon to be and, and you know retirees. Um, people keep on living longer generally speaking, but the impact of the pandemic has has been tragic when you see kind of overall mortality, you know, life expectancy rates have actually gone down in the United States, you know, as the impact of the pandemic. So it is, it is, you know, on an aggregate that, that has been an impact of COVID and something that is definitely very tragic, but it, it is still a very, very uh, key risk for retirees as we do hopefully continue coming out of the pandemic and you know, there are more, more and more uh, safeguards in place for people. I mean, we do think actuaries do still do still expect uh, more mortality improvements. People will will continue to live longer. So there's just kind of two sides of the coin uh, with the impact of COVID. And sort of what sort of uh, products and techniques are we seeing uh, sort of come to the fore there for for advisors? And this one's open to everyone in terms of trying to address this longevity risk. Is, is it a lot of the same things that we saw before COVID, or has, have those priorities kind of shifted? I could I could start you know from from the you know lifetime income like annuity perspective first. Do you think there's largely been the same type of solutions are still be, being used by advisors? There's there's always you know trends in the industry, different types of products, and there's all, there's going to be new types of new types of annuities that'll be tried that'll be that'll be marketed be be used. Do you know from our perspective, one really good type of approach to consider is is actually not using a private annuity based strategy though it's it's leveraging social security this the the term you know social security bridging that's the the concept of you know you don't necessarily need to delay when you retire but delaying when you claim social security can be really beneficial when you do look at those those hard numbers i definitely definitely acknowledge it's a hard thing to to actually do it doesn't feel it's not an easy decision to make i i had a lot of trouble with my uncle convincing him to delay even you know one year but um, it is very, very beneficial. It kind of provides more generous benefits than private annuities and uh, the added benefit of, of inflation, uh, you know, the cost of living adjustments. Mm. Yeah, I think um, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, um, the number one issue still for Americans around retirement is coverage. We just, we know that you're 14 more times likely to save if, if you're offered a retirement plan through your employer. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is we still have way too many employers that aren't offering a plan. And so people aren't saving or they're not participating uh, when offered. And so those, that coverage, I think we're seeing um, some appetite in, you know, Congress to move secure 2.0 is what we'd kind of call it forward to allow for emergency savings, 
uh, vehicles through retirement plans and um, mandating. So right now we have 14 states that mandate employers opt into a state program that they don't offer a, a retirement plan on their own. So this whole conversation, I think there's a huge appetite out there to try to address this financial uh, side of the fence um, so that if we have another you know, pandemic or we just have better outcomes for people uh, around this retirement savings. Mm-hmm. What's at the heart of that sort of, uh, I guess, dearth of employer retirement plans? Is it just a paperwork question that they think is too difficult or is it they haven't, you know, em- employees haven't really got the word out there that, that this is a benefit that they truly care about or is, or is it like an education thing? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of uh, it's quite a few things. Uh, cost uh, it tends to be one. The administrative burden and, and costs associated with it. So Secure uh, 2.0 eliminates um, some. They have uh, they have a savers program that that is a really a streamlined, less administratively burdensome retirement plan that can be offered. They're also establishing higher credit limits, um, tax credit limits, so it offsets some of those uh, costs associated with it. And you know, it's you know, if you have a uh, a small business that's, you know, has maybe high turnover or, or just, you know, not not all business owners, you know, have have a margin that, that some people think they do. And so it's a it's a little bit of just the cost associated with it as well, David, and the time and energy to put those programs in place. But they are needed. We again, all the data shows that people want more financial advice through their employer. And, you know, hands down, the better, the best retirement outcome that people can have is saving through their employer, uh, through an employer plan or pension or something like that. Uh, there is really this kind of with mega plans, larger plans, there's a lot of, uh, you know, focus on that. There's a lot of new features, but there, there are very high costs. The smaller plans often don't have nearly the same type of features. And that, that is a, just participating in a plan is, is a really big, big help and can really improve outcomes. So just, you know, echoing what Vince said, I definitely agree. Yeah. And I think the education aspect is very important. Um, This comes up a lot when we're talking with advisors, but starting off earlier and then understanding that those programs are available, I think is immensely under, under communicated. I think that people don't know that they need to start asking those questions when they're looking for employment. Um, And then I think the other piece of it too, is just having more comfortable conversations about finances as a whole. Um, If you don't start planning and saving early, retirement gets incredibly difficult. And I know we've all heard the stories and seen it, but I think we're running into a scenario too where there aren't enough advisors out there right now that are willing willing to accept a lower minimum. And I think that that shift needs to change. And we're seeing that um, with fee-only situations. So Mm. There's just a number of things, and I I keep going back, David, to the emotional side of thing, right? Like, what is your relationship with money to actually put yourself in a position where you are comfortable saving and preparing for retirement? And so one of the issues that's affecting everyone in the country, you know, retirement or otherwise, is is sort of the high inflation and uh, the interest rate bumps, you know, the the record several in a row interest rate bumps that the Fed has uh, implemented, which obviously are concerning, particularly if you're working with fixed income products on a sort of a long-term timeline. Uh, this one's just open to everyone. How is this, you know, we, we are pretty familiar with how it's affecting you know, the grocery store and the the gas station, but how is it affecting the retirement industry? Um, I can jump in. I think you have rising healthcare costs, right? I mean, um, in 2020, our, our healthcare costs, we weren't even in a high inflationary environment then, and healthcare costs went up by 9.7%. So, you know, as 
as companies are looking at you know 2023 and health insurance and and wage you know increases and things like that they're trying to navigate this high rate environment and but the american family is still sitting around the dining room table and going i only have so much paycheck and i have to divvy this up between a whole host of of different things and um healthcare is is paramount and they're going to spend whatever they need to spend to make sure uh to Kellen's point um, earlier, that they're taken care of like emotionally and that they're safe, right? And that they can't really afford to not go without health health insurance and healthcare needs and meet those healthcare needs. So then what happens is whatever's left over gets put into the bucket for savings, either emergency savings or retirement savings. And so participants are very much in a plan for now kind of state of mind instead of plan for future. And that has always been a challenge, getting people to see, you know, 20 years down the road and, and make adjustments today. Uh, but it's even more challenging uh, because I think of the pandemic. You mentioned uh, healthcare costs and so we talked about longevity risk a little bit earlier. We know that, you know, it's increasingly widespread that you know, people, even once they retire, are taking on outsized roles as caregivers. You know, where does that sort of second job, I guess, even post-retirement uh, as, as a continued caregiver uh, fit into this whole equation? Uh, I can jump in here. Um, we have these conversations every day. Um, it's incredibly challenging. You talk about, you know, there, there were two real extremes when COVID started. You had the parents of the very young children that were trying to work from home and then you had the children of the parents that were elderly and or sick that needed to be with them because they couldn't either put them into a home or they didn't feel safe putting them into the home or anything like that. So I, this whole experience of the past two years, I think it's been overwhelmingly draining and has also shifted entirely what people look at for how do I want this to look like for my future? You know, do I want my children to have to go through this, what I'm going through with my parents. You know, I have two little ones. I had a nine month old and a two and a half year old. Um, and I was running a division and my husband was a first, it is a first responder and he was out of the house 12 hours a day. It was brutally challenging just from that perspective. Um, but then I also watched my in-laws that were trying to deal with two very sick parents and they couldn't even bring them to the hospital. They couldn't go in with them. It, it was just unbelievably challenging, but they have shifted their entire retirement and legacy plans so that myself and my husband don't have to go that go through that like they did. Yeah, it's really an interesting problem. There's also this, the, the who watches the watchers element, right? Where yes. you, know, you can spend so much time planning for your retirement around having to take care of your parents that you, know, you also have to factor in that you're going to be putting extra stress on yourself and yes. that will, you know, your healthcare costs are going to go up by being a caregiver in addition to having to take over for their healthcare costs. Absolutely. And I think that's where we've seen like a lot of the home equity play come in. It's mm -hmm. how can we utilize the house to help support our parents? Um, but David, that's absolutely valid. I mean, health is everything. You know, we always hear the whole health is wealth concept, but oh my gosh, I think we saw that statement rise so heavily in the past two years, because if you did get sick, it was just fear of going to see a doctor. 
Mm-hmm. Kellen, you mentioned that uh, the home equity play. You mind uh, expanding on that a little bit, sort of leveraging uh, most people's most valuable asset in terms Absolutely. of their retirement. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was the it was the first time that we were getting phone calls from advisors really wanting to understand the product. And I never beat around the bush. Reverse mortgages, they had a very, very tough rap previously, <laughs> um, you know, and for all the right reasons, you know, it wasn't regulated properly. And and finally the Fed stepped in, we've got some safeguards in place, um, rates were adjusted and it's helped so many people. And, and what do I mean by that is that you have that sequence of return strategy, right? You know, Spencer touched on some of this, but if you're sitting there and you can utilize a line of credit to support your funds while markets recover, um, it's a really, really beautiful outcome. So there's there's just a way to leverage that and also just stay in the home, right? If, mm-hmm. you, if you're doing okay and your kids don't want the house and your legacy is not you know, handing that down, which most of the generations now are not looking to take that, you know, they're, they're more about just give me cash. But um, yeah, the reverse mortgage product has really made a difference, especially with the pandemic and finding a new solution for advisors and their clients. And I, and I do think it, you know, just kind of tying with what Kevin was saying, I mean, it can actually be a, a, a strategy that can help with that social security bridging strategy where you, you delay yes. claiming. So mm-hmm. I think it does, it is a, it is it, definitely a lot of potential there for those who are willing to, to wait to claim. Spencer, uh, you know, we were talking about reverse mortgages, having a bit of a PR damage control to do, um, but before there were reverse mortgages, there were, were annuities where the, the big, uh, PR damage control, uh, retirement product. Well, where do those stand now? I think, uh, you know, there, the, the insurance industry is definitely, you know, there are, there are, been fair, fair comments, you know, fair, fair criticism in the past. And there will always be, you know, you know, improper use of products and, you know, client, you know, products that aren't going to be the beneficial for the clients the, the, or the, at least lead to the best outcomes. But I do think there, there will always be kind of some of that in play, but I do think there is uh, more positive discussion kind of from my perspective. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on proper partial allocations to more efficient type of annuity products. Mm-hmm. Um, in retirement plans, where I focus a lot of my research, there there is there's a lot of discussion and how to do it properly. There's a lot of just there's a lot of interest. There's there's still not that much uptick yet, but you know there there is you know the the, the annuity industry is well aware of this reputation, and that's something that you know everyone's kind of actively you know very conscious of when kind of designing products and trying to work with um, you know how to implement them properly for 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 people and plans. So you know, speaking now that we're talking about somewhat controversial topics. Uh, let's just jump to the most controversial of, of them all, politics. Um, you know, we, we recently uh, had the midterm elections. They, uh, we sort of just found out that uh, the Republicans are going to have a, a slim majority in the House, it looks like, and that the Democrats will control the Senate, um, at least at a 50-50 point. Um, how do we think, and this is open to anyone because I am totally fine with anyone not wanting to talk about this, uh, how is this going to affect you know the retirement outlook going forward, sort of legislatively? Well, I think um, if I can jump in here, David, I think the the main um, thing that that we're hope, hopeful for is the Secure 2.0. Um, it's again kind of pretty impactful legislation that I think clears the way for us to have um, you know better coverage in the in the United States around retirement plan offerings and and. 
breaks down some of the administrative burdens on small employers to be able to offer that, um, increases, you know, when RMDs have to be taken and, and certain components around, you know, crediting um, tax credits so that, that people can take advantage of these retirement plans. And uh, interesting enough, I, I think even it's probably the one thing that, that I think the both parties can kind of agree on and they have uh, the House has a provision or a, a legislation piece and, and the Senate does and uh, they're both titled something different as they come together through committee. Uh, we think that even in this lame duck session going into uh, January that that there's a high probability that we can get this legislation pushed out. Interesting. So we're just about out of time here. Um, but obviously this is a huge topic and you know, there's a lot to discuss here. So if there's any sort of message or sort of a topic that anyone in one of you really wanted to get out there uh, in terms of retirement and the, the post-pandemic sort of outlook on things, um, you know, please go ahead, jump in right now. My, my thing, I mean, I think everybody has had re some really great points here. And um, I think that there needs to be more advisors looking at this holistic kind of approach in the mm -hmm. marketplace from how, like, even if you think about like in retirement, how much money you're going to have, even if you take Medicare um, to, to cover medical expenses and additional coverage, right, um, for prescriptions and things like that, the average couple is going to spend probably north of 300000 in over their life expectancy in retirement. And so we need advisors that are willing to, to work with more households, um, not just wealthy households, but help help more Americans in a way that that combines healthcare conversations with HSA conversations, with retirement conversations, with annuities. Annuities are 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 sold, not bought by the, the American public. And so we need those folks out there that, that are taking on more holistic kind of financial planning uh, view and uh, in a marketplace where actually we have less advisors every year. So it's, it's definitely a challenge for us, but there's definitely a, a need in America to be able to have uh, better financial solutions and outcomes. Absolutely. Um, I will, I will piggyback on Vincent. Um, I was going to say something very similar. And to that point, we need more advisors and we don't need just more of them, but we need more diversity in the industry. Um, so I think when I talk about bringing different cultures into the advisory space, it all begins with education. And I think we need to do a better job of being comfortable with the conversations at the dinner table and breaking into that in you know, middle school and high school. And we have so many beautiful companies and you know, uh, nonprofits right now. Um, I sit on the Finster Foundation Board of Directors. We really, really, really are trying to bring a more diverse culture into this space so that there is just a bigger opportunity for more advisors to practice. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll I'll piggyback off Kellen and Vince. I mean, I think they they've raised really good points. Uh, you know, specifically looking at everything holistically, it's, I think it's really really important. There's a lot of different kind of strategies or ideas out there to help solve different aspects of the retirement problem. And I think you have to look at it holistically to really really get to an answer or a solution that um, will be will be very helpful for people. So um, I think yeah, I think that's that's kind of my two cents on that. So that's about all the time we have. Um, first of all, thank you to uh, Kellen Brown, Spencer Look, and Vince Morris for joining us today and attempting to unpack sort of what is a, a gigantic topic and something that's not really capable of being unpacked fully in a 30-minute podcast. Well, thank you, David. Appreciate thank being you, here. Thank you, David. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
And uh, a big thank you to our audience for uh, listening to this Wealthy Circle podcast. For more Wealthy Circle podcasts, visit WMTV on adultwealthmanagement.com. Mm-hmm.